Hey, hey y'all. Welcome to NOLA HOTS, a podcast to raise awareness about congenital heart defects and discuss resources about CHD and some other stuff. We're just two heart mamas from New Orleans doing this for heart mamas, or dads, grandmas, aunts, friends, whoever may want to listen. That's Susan Oakwin. And that's Lana Stevens. And we feel like we've got a lot to say. Welcome back to NOLA HOTS podcast. How are y'all doing? Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, Sue. It's October. Yes, it is. It's my favorite month. It's my favorite. I know. Time we of talked the year. about this last last episode. We're not going to just. We're not going to start talking about. We won't talk know. about the weather, but, but fall is my favorite time of the year. Yeah, and the weather is nice. That's all I'm going to say about it right now. Um, <laughs> Which could change so. Quickly. It could change tomorrow, but could change so quickly. Um, we're happy to be here. We have a busy uh, next few episodes coming our way, coming down the pipe. We haven't missed a beat, huh? I mean, we've missed a lot of beats. (laughs) We've missed a lot of beats, but we're still putting episodes out, so there's that. Um, You know, and that brings me to another point. If anybody has any ideas or thoughts or episodes you'd like to hear about, we love to um, hear from listeners. We've had a couple of episodes based on what people have told us. So if you have thoughts. So if there's people you would like for us to interview... Um, or suggestions that you have, you know, please reach out to us because because we love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wait. I have to ask Lana. Is Carson getting excited? I mean, this is like his his prime time of the year. Halloween. Yes. We're doing a lot of research. Halloween is Carson's time. We're doing research, and we are um, we've started the shopping process for the costumes and I say costumes, the costume and the props because he oh. is not a simple costume kind of guy. Okay. I always say Carson should have been born in October and Harley should have been born in May. Well, so I was going to ask that too. So our heart princess has turned the big one seven. 17. She's 17 and a junior. I know. Wow. The thought that she's a year away from 18 and like closer to college, going to college and being in charge of like her own medical stuff freaks me out, but. Or so, her own life. Or her own life. Like, I think Emily. about in the morning when I'm getting my kids ready, I'm like, what are y'all going to do when y'all go to college? Right. Like, when Emily, you know, needs 12 alarms to get up in uh-huh. the morning. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. I mean, anyway, yeah. So, happy birthday to Harley. Um, yes, she had a birthday. Happy birthday, Harley. And so Sue's exciting. Coming up next, so, yeah. Mine's tomorrow. Yay, yay. I'm the old heart mom. Are we eating lunch? Because <laughs> Sue and I have to plan what, how we're how we're meeting and celebrating this. Are we meeting for you drinks? Know what, are we meeting for You know food? how we're, we're going to celebrate? Susan's bringing Emily to the eye doctor to okay. go get her eyes dilated <laughs> for some new eyeglasses. And then I'm celebrating at Benjamin's football game. Yay! Parties for moms. So I don't know. When you drive through. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I was about to say. A little King's action. Sounds good. All right. So tell us about our guest today. So today we have um, David Abair, who is with Children's Hospital in New Orleans. And he um, is in charge of the ECMO. Um, and so this is something I've been wanting to, to do because Henry, they had anticipated Henry requiring ECMO. Um, And thankfully, he never did. But it's something that I feel like in the moment of the doctors telling me about ECMO, I was kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like my kids always tell me when I'm telling them something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. And then really, I didn't at all. And I still remember seeing another child on ECMO when Henry was in the CI and being like, I that's not what I thought that was. And so, 
you know, there's a lot about it that I've always wondered. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to hear. Yeah, so I don't know how many of our us. listeners are like whose kids were on ECMO or maybe are, like you said, anticipated to be on ECMO. We were, that was never, ever even discussed or introduced to us. So um, I have no idea what we're about to hear, but I understand he's very excited to be on the podcast. Yes, he is. <laughs> so without further ado, David. Welcome to David Abair, who is the ECMO coordinator for Children's Hospital New Orleans. Thank you, David, for joining us today. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Yes. Please tell us a little about yourself. Where did you train? Where are you from? How did you end up being the ECMO coordinator at Children's? Oh, geez, that's a lot. Okay. So um, <laughs> so I am from Cutoff, Louisiana, originally, way down there. Um, in the I like Bayou it. Land. I yeah. love that area. Yeah. And um, so I went to high school, South Bruce High School, and I went to Nickel State for uh, nursing originally and switched over to respiratory therapy. And um, graduate, I took a couple of years to finish that. And you know, my parents gave me a hard time. Of course, you, you know, didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right. And uh, started my career at Children's Hospital in 2000 as a respiratory therapist and um, fell in love with it right away. Loved working with kids. Uh, knew I didn't want to work with adults. Uh, so I quickly, again, you know, just really dove into my career and just truly loved what I was doing. And after about a year of being there, my boss came to me and asked, are you interested in going to ECMO school, ECMO class? And I thought, eh, I've been here a year. I don't know anything yet. I'm so green and I'm still, you know, can't find my way around half the hospital. Uh, so she sent me to Johns Hopkins uh, up in Baltimore for a oh, week. Wow. And, and that's a standard training process. You go, you go for five days and you, you know, push all this information down your throat. And um, I remember flying home, looking at my friend saying, I don't know what I learned. It's been all this in five days. I'm scared to go home and admit, you know, it, we may get fired. Right. Um, <laughs> So we came back and the next day at work, there was an ECMO case running and started training then. Scared out of my mind, I admit I was terrified of it, but I was, it also was very, something new and something uh, challenging. Uh, quickly fell in love with it and uh, just, you know, it, it just, it was a different passion for me. And yes, I still love doing respiratory, but the biggest part was just love working with kids, really. Um, so as time went on, you know, learned, got more confident with ECMO and just, again, just really fell in love with it. and. My um, my boss at the time was the person who helped start our program back in 98. Uh, So when she started talking about retiring, you know, in the back of my head, my dream job was to, you know, be the ECMO coordinator because I just wanted to be part, you know, kind of wanted to uh, not miss anything with it. Uh, So luckily, she kind of took me under her wing about her last year or so. And so for a couple of years, I I wore the hat of restaurant supervisor and ECMO coordinator. And we got pretty busy for a while. And so uh, we were able to uh, justify creating a full-time position as regular coordinator. So I started that position about seven or eight years ago. And I have a look back. It's been in a, in a, w- a wonderful ride. And I, uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Okay. So let me ask you this, because uh, for people who are listening who don't know, what does also ECMO- me Also me for, for me, because I have no idea. What does ECMO stand for? Uh, ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. Oh. Uh, extracorporeal means basically outside of the body. And so what we try to do is uh, oxygenate blood and correct blood uh, and let the body rest. And, and ECMO is also synonymous with ECLS, which is extracorporeal life support. Uh, so just, again, they're synonymous. Just, I think people say, you know, choose to say one or the other. Okay. So uh, like Susan said, she had kind of anticipated that her son was going to have to be on ECMO, which he ended up right. However, Thank you. it never even came to us um, for our daughter. And so, like, 
how is it determined? What type is it all heart kids? What are, what is a typical ECMO patient? And and how is that determined and whether or not they're going to meet that? So a great question. So I think there's no typical kid for ECMO or even adult because ECMO is offered for the adult population also. Uh, but for especially at children's or children's hospitals, there, there's a variety of uh, indications or contraindications for a patient to, to go on ECMO. So ECMO basically is just a time buying device. It's kind of like your last ditch effort. And so it doesn't heal anything. It just allows the body to rest. No matter if the, the body is aseptic or they have a cardiac anomaly that coming out of surgery, maybe the heart's in cardiac stun. There's not a, uh, a, a ejection fraction from the heart to create good pulse pressures for the body. So um, it just varies, right? And so some of the indications that we would pay, we do pay patients on ECMO, excuse me, uh, is something called diaphragmatic, congenital diaphragmatic hernia. Sometimes the, the, uh, the diaphragm has an opening in the belly, kind of pushes it up into the lungs so the patients can't breathe very well. There's something called pulmonary, persistent pulmonary hypertension, mm-hmm. where the blood pressure in the lungs is a little higher than the blood pressure of the body, so the body can't oxygenate. Uh, trauma is an indication for ECMO, sepsis, and especially like in uh, Henry's, uh, I guess, world, I guess, diaphragmatic, sorry, congenital heart defects. Uh, it just kind of depends, you know, coming out of the OR again, like I said earlier, uh, if the heart's really ready to, uh, do all the work of his own or not. And sometimes it's just not quite enough just, just to be there to safely kind of pull them out of the OR. So we'll place them on ECMO in the OR many times. And it's really, again, just maybe the heart is kind of stunned. It's just, it's shocked because of what it's going through. It's going through, especially remember Henry, his diagnosis was really, it's a severe surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of those kids do end up on ECMO um, just because it's a major change of uh, blood flow for the body. So, And how do y'all decide, I'm sure this is, it's specific to the <laughs> child in general, yes, but like what determines how long a child stays on there? So um, it's really up to the child, right? And we, we tell this to every parent, they'll ask, how long can my baby be on ECMO? And it varies. It's up to the child. It depends how well the body reacts to ECMO because some of the fi- side effects of ECMO are infection, bleeding. Uh, so it, it just varies, right? And we, you know, we measure all these indicators in labs and kind of watch, see how well the patient does. If the patient doesn't bleed too much, if their um, infection, there's no increase in infection, uh, we just, it's the longest it could be. We've had patients stay on for 50, 60, 70 days wow. uh, and, and do well and walk out and go home. Uh, and there, you know, there are other, other centers out there. You know, I've heard of stories of three and four or five months or longer, and it's just kind of you know, I, I want to say it's kind of luck, kind of luck sometimes, right? I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the maintenance of the patient and, you know, uh, trying to be as proactive as possible. But really, it, it's just um, how well the patient's body receives this. And again, you know, being the word extracorporeal corporeal means outside of the body. Um, so it's just, you know, have risk of infections. And sometimes some patients don't tolerate, very, tolerate it very well, and some do. So. Okay, and here's my other question that I never thought to ask, I guess, because Henry was an infant when we thought we would need it, but mm-hmm. are they awake or are they sedated when they're on ECMO? So most of our patients are sedated. Um, and a lot of they can do that uh, for 50, 60, 70 days. Yeah. So oh. what we'll do is a lot of times they'll be uh, medically paralyzed, as you want to put it, and it's like a coma in theory. So don't move around very much. Uh, we do start to let them wake up a little so they can move a little bit to help facilitate secrete, uh, fluids in the body. Uh, it's also assess uh, neural status, but yeah, we, we don't have them up and doing any jumping jacks or anything. <laughs> um, 
but we do, you know, they're kind of moving a little bit. We want to see a little bit of movement. You know, maybe if you squeeze their hand and they're old enough and they may squeeze uh, back, right? There are a lot of sensors out there that um, do lots of lung or heart transplant. We don't do that at this moment. Um, and those patients are kind of, you know, it's kind of amazing to see this, but they're up and walking like a day or two after being put on ECMO wow. uh, to kind of help reduce the metabolic demand of the body and keep their lactate slow. Um, so it varies. It's I, I would think it'd be great to do that, but I think our population doesn't allow us to do that at this moment. But yeah, so it varies. There, there are instances where those patients are, like I said, awake, walking around, riding stationary exercise bicycles, wow. uh, walking on treadmills, walking down the hallway all while with ECMO. Wow. Uh, and to some people, it sounds scary. It looks scary, probably, mm-hmm. but I, uh, it sounds like a I was going to say, I remember... <laughs> I remember when Henry was in the the CI for his first surgery and, and seeing a child on it, I could, I could still picture it. Uh, <laughs> it's like ingrained in my memory, but there were so many tubes and wires everywhere. So over time, has that gotten more yeah, simplistic that a child can actually walk around being on ECMO or is it still this big, large contraption <laughs> that takes over the whole CI room? Right. So I guess as the years go by, you know, uh, industry develops better and better ECMO pumps and, and anything else, right, for anything we do. Uh, and so there there are numerous types of ECMO pumps out there and circuits and ways to configure this. So it's not uh, one fix, uh, one fit all everything. Um, and I know for us, I think we've streamlined our circuits to make them smaller. There was, there's less uh, volume displacement and um, shorter circuits. So uh, it, it varies institution to institution. And one thing we thought we all, all ECMO centers or most at least follow ELSA, which is the Extracorporeal Life Support Organization founded in 1989, I believe. Um, and it's really just an advisory board of all these ECMO experts that we uh, we look to and ask advice, advice, excuse me. And it's got a great, a great network with, between all ECMO centers, at least most of them. And we call each other very often or email each other and, hey, you know, I'm seeing this. I never saw this before. What do you think? Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, so every center is a little bit different. Uh, so you can see a lot of different, a lot of variations of ECMO practice around the country, around the world. But it's usually what works best for that institution and their patient population. So you mentioned before, you know, it, it helps the body to rest, basically. Are right. there any side effects? Um, and, and if so, what are they of, of a child or a person? I mean, in our case, a lot of our listeners are are, are listening for their children or maybe even themselves as adults who know. Right. Um, so are, are there side effects to it? And like you said, it's a last ditch effort. So what would be the reason that somebody wouldn't, you wouldn't want to have to do that? Uh, so there are some indications or contraindications, excuse me for ECMO. Uh, and this is, for, again, most centers follow these. This may vary a little, but there's some, um, if the patient has a type of a head bleed, maybe uh, we will not put those patients on that mode. They have a, a disease process that is not reversible. We will not place those. It has to be an acute change to the body. Um, and it's mostly the lungs that we, we really try to protect. And sometimes, again, we have the cardiac defects who their heart is not working correctly, but a lot of it is more lung uh, therapy. Um, and some of the side effects, you know, could be bleeding uh, to maintain our circuits. And, you know, we use heparin to make sure our circuits don't clot off and make sure the patients don't bleed out. So there's that fine, I call like the uh, Goldilocks porridge uh, story, kind of finding that aspect. Um, 
And, you know, patients get lots of blood products on ECMO. And so every time you give a blood product, there's a risk of a reaction, although the patient's blood type is uh, screened in the lab and the blood bank and everything is really ma ma uh, matched pretty well, excuse me, uh, there's still a chance of having a reaction with blood products. So, you know, on average, most ECMO patients from a, at least a cardiac aspect from surgery get two or three um, um, delivery, uh, infusions of blood products every day. So it's a lot of you know, high insulin. I wondering about that, um, too. Yeah. And then again, there's a risk of infection because there is a, a foreign body inside a foreign right. tubing, I guess you want to call it. It's called cannulas in the body at the same time. So your body's trying to fight that reaction uh, and, you know, go into the self-defense mode and everything. So it's it, it's a lot of um, possibilities for get, getting sick. So uh, this might be a very dumb question, for, but for people that like... There are no dumb questions. questions. <laughs> I'm sure there is, but... <laughs> We have a podcast. I'm sure we've asked a lot of questions before. I won't say um, it. But for people like myself that have never, like I never, even, I had never heard of ECMO until Susan and I talked about how they thought Henry was going to have to be on ECMO. I was like, oh, that was never introduced to us. But for people that have not, how is it different? Because to me in my head, I'm thinking bypass. What, what is the difference between being on ECMO and being on bypass? This is probably a very dumb question. Like, how do you not no. know what bypass is? <laughs> It's a very, it's a very great, good question. Uh, so, ECMO is basically a derivative from bypass, okay. uh, and this is where the idea kind of came from. Uh, to give you a little history, uh, ECMO's first successful case was back in 1971. It was an adult riding a motorcycle, got in an accident, was really, really sick. You placed him on ECMO for about three days, and he survived. Um, the first neonate survivor was in 1975. Her name is Esperanza, which is Spanish is Spanish for hope. And she was dropped off at a fire station, I believe, by her mother. And she was really sick, so they took her to the hospital. And she ended up needing ECMO. And uh, this is how uh, ECMO finally got really got to get the big in, in the public eye, I guess. And um, was our again our nation's first uh, neonatal uh, survivor. So with that said, without boring you guys, um, bypass uh, cardiopulmonary bypass is what we use in the OR to let the heart rest while they do procedures to repair the heart's defects. Um, so. In the earlier days, before we really had ECMO, especially at Children's, if a patient didn't do all coming off bypass, we left them on bypass and kind of called it ECMO, right? And just let their body rest. And back then, we didn't probably stay with as long as we do now. Uh, it was a little different time. So then the idea came many, many years ago, let's just mimic bypass, less bells and whistles, less tubing, less aspects of the pump and basically uh, simplify for the bedside. That's where it is. Oh, so it's very much like it, but the bypass yeah. story focus of at eight to 12, hopefully not 12 hours, but, you know, average of eight to 12 hours on bypass and focus at that time where ECMO is expected or understood to be a longer time between, you know, it could be a day, it could be 24 days, it could be 24 hours. Again, all depends on the patient. And so it's kind of like a transition from that. Right, right. And I mean, I'll, I'll, this could be, be a dumb question, but I never thought about it. So when you're <coughs> on bypass, there's no blood pumping through the heart while they're working on it. Right. Huh? Right. Right. So they put cannulas um, in the body to pull blood from the where the heart, the blood vessels return blood to the heart. And it puts cannulas there and cannulas on the opposite side. So it kind of just bypasses completely. Uh, but there's still blood okay. in the brain and all the vital organs. So your heart, they do give some uh, medications to stop the heart and they can actually open it up and repair what they have to. But okay. on ECMO, it pumps through the heart. The pumps through the heart, yes. Okay. And depending how much what we call ECMO flow we give, it varies how hard the heart pumps. So usually when we go on ECMO, um, especially for a cardiac aspect, the heart still is 
still working. It just doesn't work as quite as hard as it normally does. So I kind of explain to parents as if you're jogging or running down the street versus walking down a hill, one's a lot easier than the other, right? Especially the older you get, right? So, um, or almost kinda, like a nasal cannula, like you're not on a vent, but you need a little help to kind of breathe easy. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of give a little, little um, assistance to the heart that way. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And as we wean the ECMO flow, the heart does a little more and more work on its own, and then kind of go from there as we wean and decide it's time to come off. We what we do? We clamp out basically, and if they do well, we pull the cannulas out, and they're on their own. Okay, so that was a question I had too. So how? Are there several tubes? Is there only like one in and one out on the ECMO or? But varies. Are like chest tubes, like when they mm-hmm. come out of the OR, you know? Right. So it varies. There's two types oh, sort of. of ventilator. No? Kind of start. Right. So there's two types of ECMO. There's VA, which is veno-arterial, which supports the heart and the lungs. And there's a type of ECMO called VV, which is veno-venous, and supports only the lungs. So that where on veno-venous, the heart's doing all the work on its own. Uh, VA ECMO, which is you know, always going to be a cardiac patients coming out of the OR, especially uh, there for those patients, there are two tubes going in. There's one coming in the right jugular vein, pulling blood out or sucking blood out. And there's another one that goes into the right common carotid artery into the aorta and gives systemic support to the body. So it bypasses the heart for the most part and um, lets the heart still beat. There's still, again, blood going through, so contractility, but not nearly the same effort it had before. Huh. I mean, and so they, our face, right. are we like, whoa. Yeah, and then it could vary because we may need, sometimes we need more access to drain blood from the patient. So we may add extra lines to suck blood out. Um, on the v, on BVA, well, there's usually, depending on which institution you visit, uh, for us, we use one, what we call a double lumen cannula, goes into the jugular vein and it has it's kind of divided in, in half and half of its blood coming out, half of its blood going back in. And it has to be positioned exactly correct where the blood goes to the tricuspid valve and goes to the heart. So it's, it's a little trickier. Gosh, I think it's a little trickier. Like it. And seems like yeah. a lot of room for error. Y'all are very impressive. <laughs> but and there is, people yes, that yeah. are listening and don't know, because I'm going to admit, at first I didn't know when they would describe different things. Mm-hmm. Where is the jugular? Oh. So it's in your neck? Yeah. Right. So we use the right juggler yes. vein. But I think there's probably people listening people that, that are not know. sure where the juggler Right. Yeah. I didn't know. They first, I would always sit in these meetings and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get in the car and I'd be like, and on my phone, I'd be like, Dwayne, what was that? And he's looking at me like, were you in the meeting at all? <laughs> but I would get caught on one word that yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah. And, and, it was lose, and you lose everything else. And what would you say? Um, do you have any idea of like, what is your percentage of patients that you see that are CHD? Um, surgery related patients. So I, so we do about 15 to 20 cases per year on average, oh, right? And, it, okay. it, and that's pretty low. Some centers do a couple hundred a year, some do 80 or 70. It just depends. Um, historically, I would think probably 30 to 45% of our patients were uh, cardiac patients and the rest were um, pulmonary patients across the hospital. Got it. Got it. Okay. So if you're a cardiac patient and you're on ECMO after the OR, do you go to the CI or is there like a special department that you go to for ECMO patients? Uh, so we always go to CICU after cardiac surgery. Uh, in our center, we whoever we place in ECMO stays in the unit they're in. So we do ECMO in the PICU, NICU, and CICU. Okay. Uh, so PI or NI calls for ECMO, we, do, we leave them there. Uh, we've had a couple instances where NI patients have 
and I had accepted patients and go on an ECMO and realize or caught on a day later, maybe through echo and, and, and changes that they are a cardiac patient. So we will bring them over on ECMO to the uh, cardiac unit. Oh, okay. Oh, you move them with all that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we do move around on ECMO sometimes. And this is like, it's, I mean, we're freaking out as parents, like, oh, but this is like, this is what you do all day. It's kind of like the surgeons where we're like, what? But it's amazing yeah. that y'all can do that because yeah. there's some patients, you know, that probably wouldn't be here without it. So Absolutely, right. Right, very much so. Yes, yes, yes. Like I said, uh, it is pretty much like your last line of defense. Yeah, yeah. And seems like, you know, I'm sure that when we think about it and we talk about it and we're like, oh God, I hope my kid never has to do that. But there are a lot of parents out there that are like so grateful for having that service. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah we we, we have a lot of, you know, what we call little ECMO uh, champions I bet. Uh, in the last 20 some years that I've been there and I've worked with, you know, along with Dr. Pettit for the last 20 some years. And we often uh, talk about our little champions that come around and visit us again. It's really nice to see those. Kids I, bet. Again. I bet. Wow. Well, we always ask, um, is there anything before we ask our final question? No, I'm okay. just amazed. Oh, I know it's a lot of information. You know, because I know, I, I guess I always associated that only with cardiac. I didn't really realize that was something that was like just for lungs too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yes. I, I guess because that's the world that I'm, I'm right, in. Right. I just assumed that was, it was strictly for cardiac. I didn't know that was something for lungs also. Hand hand, you know? yeah. There are some amazing, there are a lot of amazing Atmos centers out. I think there are, right now, there are probably about five or six hundred across the world right now maybe a little more i may be off by that uh but you know some centers focus strictly and they may do ECMO for different diagnoses but strictly on congenital diaphragmatic hernias and may focus mostly on lung or heart transplant and some of those places are really amazing to uh speak to those the, the workers there just you know review their information it's just really amazing so kudos to all those centers out there yeah, for sure. Well, so David, in every interview, we ask the same question for our last question to everybody. And oh, geez. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> trick question. so the question is, is if you had one piece of advice you would give to a CHD parent or patient, what would it be? So I think what I catch myself uh, telling parents quite often is that they need to rest also. Uh, that their baby is in early housing, good hands. And that, you know, this, uh, the the babe the child is in charge not us so they kind of dictate the uh, roadmap that we follow for the most part and I just you know we ask them to we give them a, a ECMO parent manual that we created a couple of years ago and asked it, I think we answer all of the questions we think we parents might know we collect over the years and I always tell them there's no stupid question that you could ask the same question you know a hundred times and I will answer you just with the same approach every time I, I understand you guys are those parents are in a lot of stress. Um, so I, I just kind of stress them. We see it in their faces and their eyes are tired, right? And they're stressed. And, you know, uh, being a parent myself, I, I try to empathize the best I can and, you know, would not want to be in their shoes. So uh, just listen to them a lot of times, let them talk. And just that sometimes that's all they need. Uh, but I do remind them that they need to rest also because mm-hmm. uh, if, if they're not resting, then they're no good for their child, right? Um, so I, that's pretty much it, really. I think just just it is a good piece of advice, but it's a yeah. hard one for a parent it's, to follow. It's I'll a say. hard one for a parent to follow, but but it's, too. do we not tell people that all the time? Like when I we do. meet new parents, it's funny that you said that because when we meet new parents, we say that all the time. Like you have yes. to trust yourself. It's hard to do, I know, right. but you have to, and it's much easier when you're not in it doing it. But I know it's a great piece of advice, so I appreciate that. It is. We yeah. had a friend whose whose son just had um, heart surgery not long ago, and her husband asked me. <laughs> 
what I would recommend. And I said, I would go to work, except for the day of the big surgery. I would go to work <laughs> because they need you a lot more when they get home right. than when they're in right. the hospital. Because at the hospital, they're, they're, well, taken care they're of. well taken care of. And it kind of looked at me like, oh, okay, crazy lady. And then the wife, <laughs> like, when the baby came home, the wife texted me like two days in. She's like, I remember you telling him mm-hmm. this. And she's like, you were spot on. She's like, because I, she's like, we're so thankful for his job that he's able to be yeah. home. She's like, but I wasn't prepared, you know, uh, you know, she's like, I would tell other parents the same thing, like rest and take the break while you can. Cause right. when they come home, it's, it's a right. whole ball game. Right. And, you know, I guess in every case is different. As we said, you know, there are a lot of patients we get from across the state, sometimes out of state. And sometimes those parents can't be here for a couple of days, right? right. Or sometimes they cannot take off their, their employer part doesn't allow that kind of leave or anything. Uh, so it's harder for the, it's hard for any parent. Yeah. It's hard for any parent, but it's just, it's a little stressful, more stressful. I think when they can't be there. So they'll call, you know, three or four times a day, which is fine. And you'll see them on the weekends here and there because they just don't have any other options. So it's, it's harder to, I think it's a little harder to, um, make those parents feel better because mm-hmm. they're not there every day. So sure. um, it's a little more, it's a little, um, a little more stressful, I guess, for that. But yeah. Well, you seem like you're really great with parents and they're very lucky to have you in their corner oh. as, as a coordinator. So um, you. you said very you, kind you, of me. Thank you. you. You only wanted to work with kids, but really you're working with parents. So you must you be are, doing yeah. a good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's hard to, uh, it's sometimes hard to corral some parents and, you know, I, it's sometimes they get angry because they don't understand what's going on is, you know, mm-hmm. we often, you know, we try not to say, you know, your baby's come off, coming off ECMO tomorrow. We talk about a game plan of maybe weaning and trialing off ECMO. And I always explain to them, look, you know, this, don't be upset. Don't be too upset if we don't come off ECMO because it's a trial and effort kind of thing. And we may try three times before we come off. It doesn't mean it's, it's going to be a bad outcome. Just give, you know, have some faith and and uh, we'll take it day by day. Yeah, no doubt. I remember being told that when Henry was getting excavated. <laughs> and I remember I was like, do kids not like come off easily? And they're like, no, ma'am. And then, well, 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 he failed in like, I, I don't even think it was 60 seconds. Wow. He had to be reintubated. I mean, he yeah. like crashed the first time they excavated him. And I was like, oh, here we are. Yeah. A statistic. Yeah, here we are. No doubt. Yeah, sometimes we have some really it does, And it is hard for a parent to hear that because you're just so anxious to yeah. get home and get them better. Of course. So it is. Yeah, so patience it is, is definitely a virtue when it comes to that, for sure. Yeah, I always tell people to pack their patients yeah. when their kids go yeah. in. Yeah. It's and we would kind of call those kids somebody are a little wimpy kids, right? Because they're not ready to get extubated yet. And it's just, you know, a lot of variation of issues would cause them not to mm-hmm. uh, stay uh, extubated very long. And again, so, you know, we, we just see this every day for, you know, our whole lifetime. And so we kind of roll with the punches for that. If you guys are just a very different situation, you're, you're not expected to experience that like we do so it's a little very different thank you um, so much for joining us yes, today thanks thank David. you it's it been my awesome. pleasure very you were a wealth of knowledge and definitely while we felt very dumb we feel very <laughs> smart having talked to you and i also hope i never have Me to too. be a patient of yours Same. <laughs> well, many people say that thank you but <laughs> i know that i would be in good hands yes. so but it is. Uh, I, I appreciate it because I definitely did not really understand what ECMO was, mm-hmm. and I think there's probably a lot of parents whose kids get put on that 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 don't. So yeah. thank you yeah. so much for joining so, us. Thanks for having me. Okay, that was a lot of medical information. That just when I think I know all the things about the heart, 
And, and may I say my, gravi- my gratitude level also yes. just increased I know. because I'd be interested to know. And hopefully um, what I would tell people that are listening that follow us on social media is when we post about this episode and if you listen to it, I would love to see people's comments. Like if you could share like whether or not your child was on ECMO and um, just because I'd, I'd like to know like the percentage of our listeners that, are, that have experienced this. Um, and if not, maybe you can share it with somebody that that might be having to go through it soon. Um, because I think that, that just hearing him speak about how he is, seems really compassionate with families and really great with families, um, to explain and that it's completely up to the patient. And cause I bet it's very hard to understand. Yes. And I, I, I know for myself, Henry was extubated. He was intubated longer than most kids. And I was extremely, extremely anxious about getting him off the ventilator <clears throat> and then when he failed extubation, I was like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have pushed that. But, right. you know, it, it is hard to to be patient because you, you just want them back home. Yeah, you want them yeah. out of there. And I'm one of those people. I don't, obviously, it's not statistically proven because some kids are on there for months. Oh, but in my mind, I'm like, how, the longer you're on there, the worse off you are. You know, right. but obviously for some kids, they just take longer to heal you know, to have somebody, a kid on there for five months. Yeah, but how Medically great, sedated. How great to know that that has been an option since the 70s yes. to be able to, I mean, like we would have lost, you know, if there's 35% of their patients that are ECMO patients, then that means they would have lost 35% more patients. I mean, that just goes to show everything we talk about there, like how far medicine has come. And that's just another great example of, of our medical advancement. So grateful for that and that program. And good to know that kids can be on it for that mm-hmm. long. Like for any parent who's listening mm-hmm. who, you know, if your your child might be on this for a few months and you're right. like, whoa. But obviously, you know, for some kids, that's just what they need. Yeah. Their body needs that rest. Well, thank you, David. We yeah. Look, like we always say, we learned we a lot We learned today. a lot. That's our <laughs> new tagline. Who wants a promo item, a hat or a glass that says we learned a lot? <laughs> we learned a lot today. It's crazy, but it, it is. Yeah. I'm glad he, he was able to join us. And Me too. So, Me too. So thanks again. And we are going to move on with our closing, which is to let us know if you have a personal story that you'd like to share. We always love to hear from people, whether it be from our Instagram messenger or Facebook messenger. Um, you can email us at nolahots at gmail.com. You can follow us, as I said, on Instagram and Facebook at nolahots. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Sometimes you can also uh, listen from the direct link. So um, please continue to do that. Please share our podcast. And if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please make sure to review and rate us. We got a new rating we recently did. from one of the cardiologists at Oshner. And I loved it. It. So, it was an anesthesiologist, which I might, we might want to get him on the show. We haven't had an anesthesiologist yet, have we? No. That'd be a good one. A because, good especially because he's a fan and, and yeah. reviewed us and rated us and reviewed us. So we might ask him to be We're on that. Ask him. He's going to be like, maybe I shouldn't have reviewed him. Raise him. No, seriously, we appreciate the rates and reviews. We're looking forward to our next episode. Don't forget, no judgment here. It's all about survival. Cheers. Cheers.